Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a preview edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Town Network. He's Kevin Quickly. I'm Jared Brugar. Kevin, just a few days away from the granddaddy of them all. Penn State is as advertised. They've got almost all of their guys there, Sands, Parker Washington, and Joey Porter Jr. But it looks like they're going to have a full complement of pretty much everybody on the roster, and that is not something that can be said throughout the country. No, and we've waited a month for this day or for the coming days, and it's finally here. The excitement is there. Probably doesn't sound like in my voice. Um, yeah, they only have two two players not playing. Utah's without three, and arguably probably their three top players or three of their top players. So Penn State's going in there with a full fully loaded, and Utah maybe not so fully loaded, and they've had a month to prepare for it, and I think it's going to be a barn burner. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, too, is the NCAA instituted a waiver where – um, if you say say you have four, you've already used four games uh, towards your red shirt, you can play in this game without any consequences. So when we say full complement, Penn State can play a lot. They can play pretty much anybody as long as they're healthy enough to play and serviceable enough to play. And that is a big factor. And I would imagine Utah is going to do the same thing uh, as teams from around the country will. But when you have that type of roster, roster flexibility on top of having your full complement, that is a huge thing depth-wise, you know, say late in the game, third, fourth quarter, that Penn State might have that early edge against the Utes. Yeah, and I'm just pulling up their class rankings from last year. I'm going to take a stab in the dark that Utah's class rankings, their freshman class, is not as prolific. Uh, 34th last year. So Penn State was pulling in a top, I think it was what, number six overall class last year, and Utah's freshman class is number 34 overall. So Penn State probably has a few more horses in the back uh, in terms of that freshman class. And James Franklin's going to be itching to get those guys some more playing time. So I think those guys actually play a full – I mean, they actually get into the rotation of this thing. And that has to bode well because that's probably all of Penn State's depth and we haven't been able to use it because of that four-game redshirt rule. And now that they have the waiver, you get some of those guys in there, especially on the defensive line. Um, if you can keep those guys fresh, like PJ Mustafer fresh, keep Chop fresh, uh, you know, you can get a deny Dennis Sutton in there. And Kaziah Izzard, he's not a he's not a freshman, but you keep him fresh. Man, that Penn State pass rush and the defense gets to go at it. I think I think that Penn State defense is gonna be flying around the field, even without Joey Porter Jr. The bit defensive backfield looks like it's gonna be a okay. Um they have Kalen King, they have Johnny Dixon, they have Daquan Hardy, a cornerback, and then at safety, they have Jair Brown, Keaton Ellis, Saki Wheatley. So even without Joey Porter Jr., they still have some players back there who can make up for the production that Joey Porter Jr. could have had. I think this is suiting up to be a good matchup for Penn State. Um, we can go into what the city in the desert says about this game later, but I think I think Penn State has some good chances there, uh, especially from the defensive side of the ball. And then for offense, hey, this is what Sean Clifford has played 84 years of Penn State for to be his last final game. And he has it. He has that opportunity. And you have to believe that he is going to do his damnedest to make sure it's not a stinker. 
and he's going to play. He's going to try to play out of his mind. So, put Utah defense on watch because Sean Sean Clifford's ready. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is this is what you play for? You know, Sean Clifford came in just after the last time um, the Penn State played in the Rose Bowl game. Penn State played very well in that. Now, of course, that year was again you late in game and they kind of fall apart towards the end and they ended up losing to USC. But the good news is, and I think this is something that, that matters as well, both teams have experience playing in the Rose Bowl. So this is, I don't want to say it's just another game because it's not, but it's as close to another game as the Rose Bowl can get because their coaches have been here before. And, the, and some of these guys have been here um, before, especially on the Utah side. Now, not so much, you know, with, uh, the guys at Penn State, but Franklin has been there. Franklin is uber prepared. He's going to have these guys ready to go. They were at Disneyland. They're all over L.A. This is going to be a game that who is prepared and who can eliminate the distractions the most and maximize the players that they have on the roster. And if Penn State is able to do that, which I think they will be, I think you can see the Nittany Lions get another Rose Bowl victory. Yeah, I am also on that bandwagon. Um, I think it is going to be a Penn State victory, and we can get more into that later. Um, yeah, and I think that offense for Utah is going to be hampered. I mean, they have three running backs, but Tavion Thomas was kind of their lead guy. Him not being there is going to be a significant. And then I don't think – I think the most important opt-out for – well, I guess there's only two more opt-outs left. Um, I think Don Kincaid is the most important important opt-out for them uh he's kind of that third down safety net for cam rising so they get into a lot of third and long situations cam rising was looking for dalton kincaid he doesn't have that primary target anymore like no, he doesn't have huge. that safety net like that is massive yeah and that's the thing where on the flip side for sean clifford he has all of the safety nets he has everybody that he really needs um yeah is he out with park he doesn't have parker washington but at the same time, he doesn't need Parker Washington. He showed, that, he showed that at the end of the season. So, yeah, that's not ideal. But they still have a, a good a chance as any. And, you know, when we come back here in the second segment, we're going to preview a lot more of the game from the offensive and defensive sides of the football. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll talk more about that when we come back on the Esports Now Network. Welcome back to the Nittany Sports Now Network and the Lashing Out Podcast. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Let's talk comparisons, right? Let's go, you know, let's let's compare Penn State and Utah because that's what it's all about right now, right? So, rushing attack. Penn State led by Nicholas Singleton, 149 carries, 941 yards. Micah Bernard for Utah is leading the way, 95 for 474, four touchdowns. Sean Clifford, this is this is a, a Utah attack that is going to put it in the air quite a bit with Cam Rising, and I don't blame them. Having watched Cam Rising uh, in the Pac-12 championship game, the kick and ball, uh, two, 241 for three, uh, of 364 for 29, 39 for yards. He was averaging 249 yards per game. Now, keep in mind, this is the Pac-12. 
Pac-12 isn't quite as ground and pound as the Big Ten is. Meanwhile, on the flip side for Sean Clifford, 2,543 yards and 210 completions, 22 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Cam Rising, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So comparable there as well. You mentioned Dalton Kincaid, 70 for 890, uh, eight touchdowns. Meanwhile, Mitchell Tinsley, 45 for 528, four touchdowns. You have to take Sean Clifford with a grain of salt because there are a lot of games early. He didn't play in the second half or played sparingly in the second half. So those numbers would be very much higher if he's playing full games. Um, so they're very comparable, I think, uh, as far as that goes. But I like Penn State with the edge uh, just because of the experience factor. I mean, they've got Sean Clifford, granted, Cam Rising's experience as well. But Clifford plus Singleton and Catron Allen, that's a that's a very good balanced attack. You throw in the, the rushing uh, you throw in the receiving plus the tight ends and you've got yourself a recipe for success if you're able to execute. Yeah, and this has to be the closest matchup on paper for a bowl game this year. Um, just looking at more just macro stats. Total yards on offense is 432 to 472 for Utah advantage there. And then Penn State allows 318 yards on, on defense. And Utah gives up 325 a game. Nearly identical on rushing and passing yards allowed. Utah has the advantage in rushing yards per game, and they're pretty identical in passing yards per game. So this is as level of a game as we have in college football. You have to think Utah plays in the Pac-12. They played USC twice uh, and really performed well against them. Obviously, they're the only team to beat them twice this year. They're the only team to play them twice, but you got to play them twice to beat them twice. And... Penn State, maybe, I mean, there are only two really difficult opponents for Ohio State and Michigan. So there are two teams that didn't have the strongest schedules, and we can always talk about that. And after after uh, Monday's game, we can certainly say, yeah, this team took advantage of their weak schedule, or no, this team was actually that good and deserving to be of that, what's going to end up being the seventh or eighth ranked team at the end of the, end of the year. So it's about as it's about as level as a matchup as you're going to get, but I think it has to. Be, I think I still think and it's not just me as a fan. It's Penn State's edge. It, it really is just because how they played Ohio State, Michigan, or how they played Ohio State. Exactly, and that's the thing. I think that I think you can compare the two very easily. But I mean, you look at Utah's schedule. They lost to Florida in the first week of the season. Now, granted, things are a lot different. Then they lost to UCLA later in the year, and then they lost at Oregon. So they had three road losses. Um, that matters. Penn State, you know, played at the big house and got thumped, which is typical for Penn State more often than not. Penn State played Ohio State at home, lost close game up until the last few minutes of the game. Now, you know, in those losses, you know, Oregon, they lost uh, 2017. 42-32 to UCLA in 26-29. So they're not far from being uh, a team that's 12 and 0, 11 or 11 and 12 and 0. But the big thing is and this is kind of the this a fancy thing that I saw, you know, looking at total defense. They are t- they are first in defense in the Pac-12, which puts them in 19th in the country overall. Penn State was 7th in total defense in the Big 10. They're 16th in the country overall, <laughs> which is absurd now offensively it's a little different they're only about 
average of 40 yards apart. Um, but where where both teams, I think, are very comparable, especially defensively, turnover margin, plus eight for Utah, plus nine for Penn State. So these are two very, very close teams. And when you have that type of matchup, both offensively and defensively, this is going to be and should be a very, very good football game. Now, can Penn State pull it out and, and hold on to win? That lies in the hands of Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford has to play his best game as a Penn State Nittany Lion. And that best game might not include throwing for 330 and four touchdowns. That might include throwing for 250, a touchdown, but and no opening picks. up the running guy. Yes, it, it's all about ball control and, and controlling possession. And if Penn State is able to do that and keep the Utah offense off the field, I have no no doubts in my mind that Penn State's defense is going to going to be perfectly fine against Utah. But my concern is what Sean Clifford are you going to get? You're going to get just the, the inconsistency or are you going to have a guy that's playing for his career? Because a good performance in Rose Bowl just might end up with him ending up playing on Sundays in some capacity. Yurisich believes it. There aren't very many that, you know, because at this point, let's be real, in his career as a quarterback, that the consistency hasn't always been there. It hasn't been there this year, which is what professional coaches and scouts are looking for. He's got the body. He's got the frame, a little undersized. But, you know, a, a good performance here could land him as a, as a depth option in the draft or as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, and you're talking about a career on the line. James Franklin's got a legacy on the line. He has an option. This is a backdoor Rose Bowl as backed over Rose Bowl you can get as being third in the Big Ten and still being the best available option for them to choose. And he has an opportunity to beat a top 10 opponent in a backdoor Rose Bowl. It is the last bowl game of the season that is not the college football semifinal or not the college football final. The semifinals are on Saturday and the Rose Bowls two days later on Monday. This This has... Everybody's going to be watching it because it is the Rose Bowl and it's the last opportunity. It's the second to last opportunity of to watch college football all year long. And it looks like it's going to be an absolute game. And James Franklin has the opportunity to beat that top 10 opponent at a neutral site. And that would really cement an already establishing legacy that is James Franklin. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. A win here, winning a win in the Rose Bowl is is a signature victory, no matter who you're playing. Yeah, did they backdoor their way in here? But that's also, I think, speaks volumes to the depth of the Big Ten. They lost to two teams, and they're both in the college football playoff, right? So you have that in your back pocket, and and a lot of Penn State's wins, they were comfortable wins. They weren't. It wasn't like they were winning or just eking out these games. I mean, you look at the Purdue game. Yeah, it's thirty five, thirty one, but that's week one. Right, you start your your game your season on the road on a Thursday in the conference. That's not an easy game. Then you look at you know Ohio. They won forty six to ten. Auburn forty one twelve. Central well, Michigan the doors off of Auburn too. Yeah, in it, Auburn is the first big team Big Ten team to play in the SEC in an SEC stadium in years. Then you've got Northwestern. You you eke out a seventeen to seven win. That's still double digits. Um, 
then you get your doors blown in by Michigan. But since that Michigan game, you know, you look at Minnesota, they come back and answer 45-17. You lose that one to Ohio State. Sean Clifford made too many mistakes at the end. Indiana, 45-14. Maryland, 30 to nothing. Rutgers, 55 to 10. Michigan State, 35-16. This is a Penn State defense that's dominating. Now, granted, of those teams, not all of them are the caliber that is Utah, other than, you know, Michigan and Ohio State. And that's why they're in the that's why they're in the college football playoff. And they very well could see themselves playing each other in the in a national title game, which is a nightmare situation, I think, for a lot of people, because you just don't know who you're gonna root for. But it's one of those situations where Penn State's handled their business. They're in the they're in the Rose Bowl. James Franklin is a is 77 and 36 at Penn State. He's beat Michigan a handful of times. He's beat Ohio State once. He's five and five in bowl games. He won the Fiesta Bowl. He won the Cotton Bowl. And those are obviously big time wins. He lost the his program lost the Rose Bowl game against USC in 2016, but they won the Big Ten Championship. A Rose Bowl victory adds another notch in that in that career legacy belt, like you said. But it, it and and I have no doubt in my mind that this, this program is going to be ready. It's can they go out and execute, and that's what matters the most. What can they do to get the ground to to get things started on the ground? Um. Because I mean, this is against a Utah team that's averaging or allowing 107 yards per per game. Again, it's a Pac-12. Pac-12 isn't overly known for their rushing attacks, but can they come out, establish the run, get the tight ends, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson involved early and often, and and see what happens? Because if they're able to do that, then this could be just what Penn State is looking for. Yeah, and if you look. I mean, USC only rushed because it's sack adjust or the non-sack adjusted number. USC only rushed for 56 yards because Caleb Williams threw it 41 times. So, and that they're ha- they're hampered by the uh, injury to Caleb Williams. But yeah, I think as long as Nick Singleton and Katron Allen get going and get going early, and then Penn State Penn State can do whatever the heck they want on offense, I think Utah's just gonna be fighting for their lives to stay in it. <laughs> Yeah, and that, and that very well could be the case. But I think the beauty of this matchup is they're even on paper. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But this Penn State, as a, as a program, you know, they've been appear, appearing in Rose Bowl games for 100 years now. This is um, this will be their fifth Rose Bowl game, and it's, the, it's 100 years from its first appearance, which was in 1923. So, you know, this is the first time these two teams have played. Um, ever. So there's not a lot to, to, to worry about in history. You got two good programs, two solid coaches. Kyle Whittingham is very good at what he's doing. And it'll be very interesting to see how Penn state comes out and, and decides to attack Utah on both sides of the football. But Hey, there's so much more left to be said. Let's talk about that here in the third and final segment of the lashing out podcast on the Nitty sports now network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, what does Vegas tell us about 
about this game because well Vegas knows everything. Vegas apparently knows everything. Um also before we break it right before we get to Vegas, just to add some stars to their predictions. I just looked up the weather for Pasadena, California on Monday, January 2nd. There's a high of 55 and a low of 45, which seems pretty cold for the LA area and a 60% chance of PM rain. So that could uh, factor into this uh, over under for the game is 51 and a half points with Utah favored by two and a half points. I believe when they opened the line, it was Penn state two and a half. So the line has shifted sides by an equal amount. Um, which is kind of interesting. So I don't know if just the money was flowing over there on Utah at, min- at plus two and a half, and then they worked their way down that way or what have you. So apparently Vegas says Utah is going to win. Well, Vegas knows, but at the end of the day, you got to go out and execute. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens next. But Penn State, you know, looking back over the last few last few days, They've been hit a little hard, not necessarily too hard, with guys going to the league, but guys are staying and playing on Monday. And that ultimately speaks volumes to what Franklin is trying to continue to keep building in Happy Valley. Yeah, and I think somebody said it's it's the ultimate show of respect to your college football coach is how they described the Penn State seniors or underclassmen declaring for the draft but staying around for that one last game. Just because, you know, they've Franklin's probably invested the last two years of their high school of their high school playing days, and now he's invested three to four years of their college playing days. So they have a six year relationship with the guy, and all Franklin said is, "I'm I'm sure he doesn't have to say this, but all he's asking, I'm sure subliminally, is, give me three more hours, give me three more hours of your time, and you can have the rest of your life to do whatever you want with it. But if you give Three more hours to this program. We can go out. We can win the Rose Bowl. You can enhance your draft your draft stock. And then you can go out and have a prolific NFL career. And I think that's where they stand. I think they're all in agreement on it, too, which is good. Yeah, and I think that's the other way to look at it, too, right? Like, these programs, you know, this is a, this is a premier spot. They're going to be hundreds, if not. I mean, they're probably going to be anywhere from 150 to 200 media people and scouts watching this game in attendance, not counting the millions of people that are going to be watching at home. So there are a lot of opportunities to get eyes seen, to get noticed. And that's, you know, that's kind of what life was like before, before opting out happened. You know, you don't always like, you don't see a lot of guys in premier bull games opting out. Um, And that, and that's because number one, this is going, if you have a good performance here adds to your draft stock. It is huge. It, and I think that is ultimately the most important thing. Like Brenton Strange can go out here and ball out and add to his draft stock. Now, you look at a guy like Joey Porter Jr., who's been dealing with injuries. You deal with Parker, look at Parker Washington, who is injured. So obviously that makes sense. But then you look at Ohio State and you look at Cannon Smith and Jigba, or I'm sorry, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Cannon is his brother that plays in the Pirates organization. Um, when worlds collide, right? And he's been dealing with injuries, opts out, and focuses on that draft prep. Well, those are guys that are, are most likely going to be day one guys. Uh, and I think when you look at it like that, you know, that's tough. But but going back to Penn, on the Penn State side of things, look at Saquon Barkley, right? Saquon had a coming out party in the Rose Bowl against USC. 
his his runs, uh, some of his rushes were some of the most incredible plays that I've seen, and that propelled him to be who he was drafted by, by getting drafted by the Giants and and having that stellar career for the Nittany Lions. That helped Trace McSorley get to where he was with the Ravens and now the Cardinals. And so you with with a good performance, you're more tape, better opponent. It's a win-win for everybody involved, barring some significant setback or injury. Yeah. So I think it's just spot on. Like this, this is it's the granddaddy of a wall. There's gonna be so many eyes on this game. It can only help you if you play well. And I mean, how many people are gonna watch this game? 30, 40, 50 million people. Every NFL team is going to have at least one or two people watching it, like in their scouting department. Like you said, the media presence is going to be there. And some of those Rose Bowl highlights against the game against USC, even though they lost, like you still see them in promo videos or just like highlight reels for careers Mm -hmm. because it's that big of a game. If you make that good of a play on that grand of a stage, it's just it's college football lore. It's just there. It's, it is college football. So I, yeah, I really appreciate them making that decision to go to the NFL draft, but giving us, I say three hours, they've had a month of bowl prep and then another three hours, but they get a really, trip to Disneyland too, and some perks and all that fun stuff, but yeah, cool, right. Some it's cool a, flight amenities. And that, I think that speaks, we, we mentioned James Franklin and the respect it has for him. It speaks volumes to the respect it has on the university, their coaches, their teammates too. And listen, by no means am I judging somebody or or talking bad about somebody that wants to better their lives or it, this is life changing. This is family changing money that we're talking about here for a lot of these players that are opting out. So for us to sit here and, and judge them isn't fair, but you know, to an extent, these guys sticking it out speaks as volumes to their character and the type of guy that Penn state wants in their program. You don't have sometimes it's not always ideal to have a million and a half five stars when you can coach up three or four star athletes to get to where you want to go. So, you know, the respect that that they have for their program, their teammates, their university and their coaches, I think outweighs. Hey, listen, there's a good chance it's going to be there. They're going to test well. Penn State players test well at the combine at, at pro day every essentially every year, you know, look at Troy Apke. He can run, run, right? Um, so it's going to be one of those things. They get they get one last chance to put on the blue and white. Will they go out victorious? And I think Penn State, I think it's shaping up for a Penn State victory. If if everything, if if they can come out, execute the way that, that they've proven that they can. Final score prediction? I got Penn State 35, Utah 17. I have Penn State 38, Utah 24. I like the Penn State defense. I have no reasons why I should think that they won't not have success against Utah. What what Manny Diaz has done since that Michigan game, it seems like he has he has taken away all of the holes. And yeah, I understand that you that Ohio State was a thing, but I don't think that was fully on the defense. Yeah, I don't think that was I mean, we've we said it many times. That was that game was mostly on Sean Clifford's mistakes, just too many, too fast. I mean, you could they probably could have absolved or absorbed those mistakes if they were spread out, but it was literally like three straight drives, and it's just like backbreaking. Um, yeah, I 
I think Penn State's defense is going to be there, you know, because that passing offense can be somewhat prolific for Utah. I think they are going to struggle to run the ball on Penn State. Um, but I think their pass their pass offense could have a little bit of an advantage. Not that our defensive backfield is going to be weak, but I think that they have some good receivers that could potentially win some matchups, maybe a big play or two. You know, they just break like a 60-yard touchdown pass or something like that. But then I just think Penn State's offense is just going to overwhelm them. Not having Clark Phillips the third for Utah helps Penn State because they don't have their best defensive corner. I mean, guy was All-American across every voting panel that there was. So I think it's advantage there. Penn State's had the opportunity to coach up their freshman wide receivers or their young guys, get them ready for the game. And I think Penn State's just going to run it down their throat. And then when they need to pass it, they're just going to throw it all over the place. Yeah, Penn State's the deeper team for sure, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens and can they can they take care of those mistakes that crippled them against Ohio State. That remains to be seen, but Monday come 5 p.m. Eastern, it's the granddaddy of them all. We'll catch you guys following the game for our post-game Rose Bowl show. For Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Prugar. Happy New Year to all and to all a happy bowl season. We'll catch you after the 109th Rose Bowl on the Lashing Out Podcast and the Disney Sports Now Network.